Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Round the Cauldron. Come join me, Megan, and sit for a spell as we talk about witchcraft, polytheism, and the intersection of magic and mundane. This week's podcast episode is so important that I decided to make it a podcast episode and a full-blown YouTube video um, with my face, because usually it's just the audio. But today we're going to talk about mental health within witchcraft and paganism, and more specifically, I'm going to be answering your questions. I reached out on my social media platforms to ask you what your questions were about being a witch and having mental illness or being a pagan and having mental illness and sort of how it all works together or sometimes doesn't work together. So for those listening to the podcast, just the audio, it might sound a little different because it is a different setup, but for those on YouTube, it's just a podcast episode with my face is all it is. So it's going to be a talking head video, probably not very uh, visually appealing. So just put it on and sit back and listen or clean your house or do whatever you need to do. Before we get started with the questions, I have to give several disclaimers. The first one is obviously... I'm not a mental health professional, I'm not a doctor, I'm not qualified to give you any sort of professional or medical advice, so anything that sounds like advice in this episode is just me speaking from my own personal experience. I always advocate for working with a mental health professional whenever you have the access available. I know not everyone does, and magic and witchcraft should not be used as a sole replacement for therapy and professional The next disclaimer is that while I have the questions in front of me, I haven't really taken the time to formulate answers to them ahead of time. And I I did that for a reason, because I like to speak off the cuff about these types of things. But with that being said, this episode might get heavy. There will be talks of depression, mental illness in general, maybe some suicidal ideation or discussions about suicide, self-harm, trauma. I don't intend on speaking too deeply about anything that might be too triggering, but just know going into this one, if you need to stop, if you need to pause, or if you need to just skip this one entirely, that is a-okay. Take care of yourself first and foremost, and I'll be here when you get back. So like my normal podcast episodes, I want to start off because we are going into a new month with the dates of the full moon and the new moon and March actually has um, a holiday. (laughs) So I wrote them down and the new moon for March is coming up in a couple of days. If you're listening to this episode when it goes live, 
March 2nd is the day of the new moon. Then the full moon is on March 18th. And the spring equinox is going to be on March 20th or roughly on March 20th. You know, it's a it's an astronomical thing. So you want to make sure that you check the date and time to your location because it might be different. Um, for anyone that is more Wicca focused, I believe the spring equinox is Ostara. As always, too, I give a huge shout out and a thanks to my patrons over on Patreon who help make everything that I do possible. If you'd like to join me on Patreon, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month and get patron-exclusive perks and content. Um, My Patreon is a sliding scale, so everyone gets exactly the same thing. It's just sort of a pay what you want or what you can just because you want to help support me and the work that I do. Um, We have a book club. We just finished reading Braiding Sweetgrass, and the next book that we're reading has already been voted on, and we are reading Rebel Witch by Kellyanne Maddox. Patrons also get a monthly collective tarot reading, and every Friday I do something called Freebie Friday, where you can get a free one or two card reading based on a question or just a general reading. So yeah, if you want to check out my Patreon, the link for that is in the description and the show notes. Like always, thank you so much to all of my past, present, and future patrons. It really means a lot to me. I also need to give a shout out to anybody that reached out and asked a question. Because speaking about mental illness can be hard even when you're not speaking about mental illness in a religious context. And it can take courage to ask questions and to share your experience for the sake of commentary or input from others. So for everyone that asked a question, thank you. Okay, so I've got my list of questions, but I feel like it would be important to give some background and some context on where I'm coming from when I talk about mental illness, witchcraft, and polytheism, or religion in general. Because it's important. I am only coming from this. I am only coming to this from one perspective, and that perspective is someone with major depressive disorder, PTSD, generalized anxiety, and a history of trauma. I think it's important for people to understand that are listening to this episode that I cannot possibly encompass every single mental illness and everyone's experiences are going to be different. So if I say something that doesn't apply to you, then just leave it for what it is. Um, If I don't say something about um, bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or DID, then that is just because I don't have experience with that and it would be uh, disingenuous for me to talk about things that I don't know about. So if anyone has any sort of comments or things like that, I usually say this at the end, but I want to put it out there. For anyone that has experiences that they want to share, please feel free to leave a comment wherever you are watching or listening to this or reach out to me or make your own post about it Um, because mental health is something that's very important to speak about in any context, not just a witchcraft or polytheistic, polytheistic context. So, um, yes. 
I have always been a depressed person. Um, I grew up with depression. I grew up with trauma. I'm not going to talk about my traumas because one, I don't want a trauma dump. Two, it's not, I don't feel like it's entirely relevant, um, but it is there. It is something that I struggle with and that I will continue to struggle with for the rest of my life. There have been times in my life where I have had massive breakdowns and meltdowns and locking myself in the bathroom and screaming and yelling and just crying and sobbing on the floor and, um, you know, trying not to hyperventilate or having somebody um, have to hold on to me really tight to get me to calm down. I have also had fallow periods where I want to do nothing but lay in bed, where nothing is there, where I feel nothing, which is very strange. And if you've never experienced anything like that, it's really hard to describe because you quite literally feel nothing, numbness, heavy. Um, Yeah, it's very difficult to describe for me, at least right now anyway. Um, I have been medicated. I have been not medicated. I am not currently medicated. I have gone to therapy. I am not currently in therapy. I have not found a therapist that I have really vibed with um, ever since I left California, basically. I love that therapist. She was great, and I miss her. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I, I think I've covered... A lot of the spectrum of my own context and I mean dealing with this for my entire life basically I'm I'm 30 so there were times in my early teens even my preteens where I just I was just depressed and I didn't have the words to express it but I've always had a good support system but I did deal with self-harm in my in my preteens and in my early teen years, and even up until my late teen years, though nobody really knew about that one. Um, It's been a long time, but it is something that I still have to watch out for. So, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, I, I have experience in my own personal life with a lot of this stuff, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. So, On to the questions, because that's what I want the bulk of this episode to be about. So I've got a big old list here. Thank you again to everybody that asked me a question. Um, I got a lot of similar questions. So what I tried to do was group them together, and I will answer them all at the same time. And all of these questions are anonymous, because I don't want to call anybody out in a podcast episode that doesn't want to. So if you ask the question publicly, then people might know what your question is, but I'm not going to give names out in this episode because I I don't feel right doing that. Um, So the first question says, what do you want other pagans to understand about mental health and mental illness? I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is that you're not alone and it's normal and it has nothing to do with your spiritual path or your religious beliefs. Mental illness is already so stigmatized in wider society that we don't need to do any more 
to make that worse in our own communities or in our own lives. And it's really important for people to understand that magic in general, a witchcraft practice in general, can ebb and flow if that's what you need. And working around your own mental health is important in your practice. Otherwise, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to feel disingenuous. You're going to feel like a fraud if you're trying to push yourself through things that you really are not in the mood to do or that you have no motivation to do. And I feel like witches and pagans, we're no different than the rest of society. We have to work our our schedules and our practices and our studies around the rest of our life. And I feel like, at least in my experience, something that has done me in with my mental health and my practice is comparison to other people. Um, Not necessarily on purpose, but spending too much time on social media will make me see what other people are doing. Obviously, it's social media. That's what people are sharing. And I will subconsciously, you know, internalize that and see that well, here I am scrolling on social media because my mental health is in the toilet and all of these people out here are, you know, they are doing their practice and they're feeling great and they're happy and why can't I be like that? And that is such a shit thing to feel. And it's it's false. It's my, it's my own brain lying to me because I know social media is fake. And it's... Well, it's not necessarily fake. It's just, it's glimpses. It's not the full story. So, yeah. I guess that was a really long way of saying that I I want other pagans to understand that they're not alone when it comes to mental illness and that it's okay to work your practice and your studies around your mental health. And if that means taking a break, then take a break. The magic will still be there when you get back. The gods will still be there when you get back. Take a break if you need to. Okay, the next question is actually a group of questions. So let me read them all off and then I'll kind of answer it. What do you do when you have little to no energy for your practice? Do you still practice on down days? What does your daily practice look like? Do you find yourself shying away from doing magic when your mental health is bad? And how do I practice on bad mental health days, if at all? It depends. Okay, so answering those all together, it basically is like, what do I do when I feel like crap? Do I still do my practice? You know, how do I do daily things when I'm having bad mental health day? Yeah, it's going to depend. For me, if it's not too bad, if it's just sort of lingering there, then I can push myself through and do my devotions or say a prayer. I don't tend to do a lot of witchcraft, a lot of magical practice when my mental health is bad because I already have low energy and I'm not going to expend more energy to do any sort of spell usually. Yeah, if I'm having a really, really bad time with my mental health, I just don't do anything. I think about it. I, I might like lay in bed and say a prayer or if I'm feeling up to it, I might read a book. But I feel worse when I try to force myself to do things. Um, it's the same way I, I liken it to exercise, to, to someone who, like an athlete, right? 
If an athlete is injured and their injury is mild, they adapt their uh, workout routine, their their practice routine, or whatever it is. Um, they adapt their routine to compensate for their injury. So, for example, if their ankle hurts, maybe they will focus on the upper body or stretching, right? That's if the injury is mild. If the injury is severe, like they broke their leg, then that person is going to need to take time to rest and to not do anything, right? It's the same thing with my brain. If the mental illness flare-up is mild, then I will just adapt and do things that um, I have time for, do things that I have the spoons for. Um, If you don't know what spoon theory is, I'll leave a link in the description and in the show notes because it'll explain it better than me. But yeah, if it's bad, I just, I can't. And that can send me into a guilt spiral, but once I come out on the other side, it's easier for me to see and reconcile what I did versus what I didn't do. Um, So yeah, long story short, do I practice on down days? Sometimes. If my down day is mild, yes, I will still say my prayers. I will still light my candles. I will still meditate. I will still uh, try to get outside. I won't generally work any magic when I am feeling down or I'm having a bad mental health time unless I am working something that is done regularly. Like I have an altar that I work um, every Thursday and pretty much regardless of how I'm feeling, unless I'm feeling just way down there and I just can't, that gets done every week. So the answer to the question is uh, yes and no, just depends. Um, the next question, again, is a group of questions. It says, how does your practice help with your mental health? Have you done any workings to help with your mental health? And how has your magical practice helped your mental health? So basically, does my practice help my mental health? And have I done anything, um, probably magic-wise, to help my mental health? Um, yes. It, okay, so the way that my practice helps my mental health, first of all, is it keeps me in a routine and it keeps me grounded in reality because with my PTSD and depression, I can get lost in the illusions of my intrusive thoughts. I can get lost in the deep sea of emotions that I end up feeling when I am depressed. My practice keeps me grounded. It keeps me, like I said, rooted in my reality. And it keeps me on routine, which is something that I find massively helpful to my mental health in general. And that's not even doing any sort of rituals or spells. It's just a daily reminder of, yes, I am here. Yes, I am alive. I am a physical being. I have spirit allies, my gods are with me, I am safe, you know, those types of things. And I have done workings to also help with my mental health, but it's never been something like, you know, doing a spell to try to get rid of my depression because my depression is going to stay with me for the rest of my life. It is partly genetic and partly trauma. So 
it's here to stay. <laughs> um, but the things that I do to help my mental health are generally like spell oils. I have created two that I can think of that I think actually both of them are on the channel, so I can link them in the description and in the show notes. Um, my self-love oil and self-love spray, as well as the sunshine oil that I created. I use those on days where I just need a little bit of help in the mental health department. Um, so on, on days where it's mild, where I'm having a mild flare, because one of the things that my depression does is it makes me feel worthless and it just makes me feel like, why am I here? You know? Um, so the self-love oil and self-love spray help me to remind myself that I'm worthy of love and that I do love myself and that through these bad days that I have because of mental health, I am there in the future. Future me will thank past me for using and creating these self-love oils to ground me in that love while I'm going through a rough going through a rough time. The sunshine oil is one that just helps give me a little boost of happiness. Um, again, it's not one that I would ever use when I'm in a severe flare because it's just I might try try it, but it's not going to pull me all the way out. It's just there as sort of a light at the end of the tunnel and as a reminder that there is sunshine, there is warmth, and it helps me pull that energy into my day and into my being whenever I'm going through it. The next question says, has your magical practice ever hindered your mental health? And... Off the top of my head, I think the answer is no for me. Um, usually it's the other way around. Usually it's my mental health hindering my magical practice. Do you see your mental illness as a gift in some ways? This one is difficult because I'm not generally someone that believes that everything happens for a reason. And because of some of the roots of my mental illness, I can't look at it as a gift. But I think if it's taught me anything, it has taught me patience, it has taught me empathy, and it has taught me how to rest. So if those are gifts, then sure. But that question, I don't know, I, that question is difficult for me. Do you feel that your illness aids you as a witch? How so? Okay. So, maybe. Maybe it does. But not in the ways that people might think. Like, I don't think that I am more in tune with the world around me. Usually, it's quite the opposite. However, I have had to learn how to trust my intuition. I have had to learn how to trust myself because of intrusive thoughts because of trauma. I have, it's like I have a wall built up between myself and my subconscious and my intuition. And so I guess maybe having the, the mental illness that I do have 
has given me the pathway to learn how to trust myself, but I don't know if that would have happened if I didn't have mental illness. Um, It's also given me more empathy for others, and I feel like that's helpful, just in general. I'm not really sure how else depression, anxiety, PTSD, trauma really helps me as a witch besides... I guess me having the ability to help others and the ability to help heal myself, it gives me the, I don't want to say power or ability again, because I keep saying it, but it helps me help other people maybe see that they're not alone. I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm doing this episode, but also see that it's not their fault. The next question says, what advice would you give to someone new or advanced on making their practice as it relates to mental health and illness? Um, So I think I talked about that a little bit already, but you have to work around it. You, You have to give yourself grace and you have to have patience and understanding that it takes time to build up a practice, even if you don't have mental health problems, working with your mental illness is far more effective than working against it. So if you know, for example, you have seasonal affective disorder, if you know one season affects you more than another, you can easily work around that by giving yourself less things to do in that particular season by adapting and changing when you need to. On the other side of that, it's also helpful to build a routine. Um, I know a lot of neurodivergent people work really well with routines and some don't, but having a routine and having that muscle memory of things that you do every day or at least once a week can be very helpful to building your practice around your mental health. Don't try to force it. Don't try to over or don't try to force it, but you know, take it slow. Don't try to do everything at once because you're just going to overwhelm yourself. And this goes for new practitioners or people that aren't new anymore who have been practicing for a while. We can still get overwhelmed with the things that we want to learn and the things that we want to do. But if we are having struggles with our mental health, piling more on top of us is not going to help. It's just going to weigh us down and make us overwhelmed. People don't seem to be too interested in the topic of mental health, maybe because it's too heavy or deep. Maybe they're not sure what to say. Do you have thoughts? I do have thoughts. My thoughts are that mental health is brushed under the rug, swept under the rug. No one talks about it because, yeah, it probably makes people uncomfortable. Someone who has never experienced depression in their life, someone who has never experienced a hallucination or an intrusive thought or uh, suicidal ideation is not going to know what to say or what to do unless they're trained to do so. Talking about mental health makes people uncomfortable because it's outside of their comfort zone. If I go to someone who has never experienced anything like what I'm feeling and I say, hey, I'm feeling very depressed, I am having thoughts of suicide, I am having intrusive thoughts and I'm feeling worthless and, you know, everybody would be better off without me, what do I expect them to say? 
they're sorry? How can they help? They're going to be taken aback. And we need to combat that, but we can't just combat that on a personal level in our own lives. It's an entire system that needs to be changed and adjusted. We didn't talk about mental health in school. It's not something we talked about. I think the only time we talked about it in school, in in my experience, was when I was taking a psychology class in high school. But it was more along the lines of the history of psychology, where we learned about Freud and Carl Jung and different psychological processes. It wasn't mental health. It wasn't depression or PTSD or bipolar disorder. I think... The more we talk about these things, the less stigmatized they become, the less uncomfortable people will become when other people talk about it, and more people can get the help that they need if people are able to reach out and not feel stigmatized about it. And that that's true for any community, not just ours. I it has been my experience that at least the communities I'm in, don't shy away from mental health discussions and don't shy away from therapy and medication and magic and religion alongside all of it. But that's probably not true for the wider community and society in general. We just need to talk about it more. And within talking about it more, we need to have people who are comfortable sharing their experiences because it helps. You might not think it helps, You might not feel like anyone is listening to you. You might feel like you're talking to a wall, but it helps. And I've got personal experience with that too, but that's not my story to share. All right, the next question is a little bit of a long one. It says, can you talk about ableism and how medication and or poor mental health can impact your ability to maintain a daily practice? I'm tired of seeing people say that it, I'm tired of people Oh my goodness. I'm tired of seeing people say that medication is quote unquote low vibe, but I'm also tired of seeing people say that if medication can ruin your whole practice and your practice was weak to begin with, I know what tweet you're talking about. Um, and then someone else said guilt tripping people who need meds for their mental health. They see it often where other witches are telling them to quit taking their medication and start using herbs instead. All right, so that first one, medication is necessary to some people, and it absolutely blows my mind how people who can say that they're so enlightened and they're so religious or spiritual can tell people to stop taking their life-saving medications. It's ridiculous, and it really, really pisses me off because... Most of these people would not tell a type 1 diabetic to stop taking their insulin. A type 1 diabetic needs insulin to live. They literally will die without it. But here we are, such an enlightened community, such a community so in tune with the world around us and ourselves, having people tell other people to stop taking their medication. Medication that they need to live. I will not have it. Yes. Some people can supplement with herbs. Some people can supplement with meditation and yoga and going for walks outside. But that's not possible for everyone and that's not possible for every mental illness. Right now, I'm not medicated because of a variety of reasons. I haven't found a quality healthcare practitioner, 
um, in my area for mental health and I'm coping okay on my own and I have a good support system to back me up. I have been medicated before. After I had my daughter, I had severe postpartum depression. I wanted nothing to do with my child. I didn't want to hold her. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to hear her crying. I didn't even want to be in the same room as her. And that was devastating for someone like me who always wanted to be a mom. Um, But I got the help I needed. I got the medication that I needed. And I felt better and I no longer wanted to die. I no longer wanted to kill myself. And I no longer wanted nothing to do with my my child that I gave birth to. That is life-saving medication. And telling people who need life-saving medication not to take it is dangerous. And the other part of what that's talking about is that, that people have said if taking a medication can completely throw off your daily practice, then your daily practice wasn't that strong to begin with. And I call bullshit. Because, for one, that sounds like someone who has never had to take something like an SSRI before. A, um, I forget what it fully stands for, serotonin reuptake inhibitor. It works in the brain, it affects the way serotonin is absorbed in the brain, and it's it's a type of antidepressant. These types of medications are not like Tylenol, where you just take one and you feel better. It can take months for an antidepressant to work and it can take months to find the right dosage or even the right combination of different types of medications. They affect the brain quite literally. So even if you had a super solid, super strong foundation in your practice, you can start taking a medication like an antidepressant and hit a wall and just completely lose interest and completely, you know, lose everything that you're doing because the medication affects your brain. So screw anyone that says taking medication, it makes you not spiritual or not religious or that your practice isn't good enough if taking a a medication affects the way you have to do your practice. And for anyone who is telling people to stop taking medication and start using herbs instead, that's also dangerous. Because for one, things like SSRIs cannot just be stopped. They have to be tapered or it has long um, after effects, sometimes lifelong after effects of, um, you know, physical symptoms. So... When I first stopped taking the medication that I was given after I had my daughter, I was taking Zoloft, which is an antidepressant. Um, I didn't listen to that. I was on a fairly high dose and I basically said, screw it. And I just stopped taking it. And to this day, that was almost 10 years ago. To this day, I continue to have symptoms where sometimes it feels like electric electrical shocks going throughout my body. And this is attributed to not tapering SSRIs. Also, some herbs interact with other herbs and other medications. The easiest example would be something like St. John's wort or even grapefruit. If you are taking 
hormone-based medications like a birth control and you start taking St. John's wort, your St. John's wort that you're taking is going to make your birth control stop working because they contradict each other. There is what is called a contraindication. So telling people to stop taking their meds is dangerous. Telling people to supplement with herbs instead of medication is dangerous. And I will fight anybody who tells me otherwise. (sighs) Okay, next question. That was a, that was a rough one. Um, general tips to cope. What are some of your coping strategies, mundane and witchy? And how do you deal with your mental health when it is bad or dips? So I'm currently in one of these dips right now. Um, and one of the ways that I cope is by taking things off my plate. If you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen last week, um, or when you hear this, it would have been the week before. I posted about sitting down to record a video. I had been excited to record it when I wrote it down in my little planner. But I sat down to record it, started recording it, and I absolutely hated it. And I hated doing it. I had zero motivation to even finish it or keep going. So I stopped. And I wasn't going to force myself to work through something that I didn't want to do because I had that option available to me. And I know not everybody has the option to remove stressful things from their life. So I I understand that that comes from a place of privilege. I just didn't do it. And I felt better afterward. And even though I didn't have a video for that weekend, I didn't care because my mental health was more important and it still is more important. Um, So some other things that I do is I allow myself the time to rest. If I have to do nothing but sit in bed and watch TV or read a book, that's okay. I let myself do that to the extent that I can. Obviously, I'm still a mom. I still have work stuff that I have to take care of outside of my own content. And that gets more difficult. But I allow myself the capacity to rest when I can. As far as witchy ways to cope, I will make some teas. I have a really delicious kava stress relief tea that I like to drink. Uh, it's it's so good and it helps me to relax and I also have a honey lavender tea that I make that also does the same thing and so making these teas I also call on those spirit allies that are within the the herbs of those teas and I infuse the drink with calming energy or peaceful energy or you know whatever else it is that I need at the time my my witchy coping methods for mental health are very low maintenance, low energy. Um, I will meditate if I have the capacity to do so. It gives me something to focus on and helps me to just calm down and be still. As far as mundane stuff, if I have to cry, I cry. If I have to scream into a pillow to let out some pent up energy, I scream into a pillow. If I could go outside and scream, I would, but I'm sure I would scare the shit out of my neighbors. I think that's, I. I honestly don't do a lot to cope and it's a really bad habit of mine that I just push myself through a lot of things and just do them. (laughs) Um, But I'm getting better at that. Okay, the next question. Ooh, I'm going to have an interesting answer for this question, I think. The question says, what do you think about mental illness considering hallucinations and fear and practicing witchcraft? Intuition can still be wrong. Confirmation bias can be super strong and we can never truly know not even with being psychic, how things will really go. My approach to this situation, this type of situation, is one of, I don't even know if I have a word for it, 
how am I going to put this into words? Because it's, I have it in my brain. It's, it's there. Um, okay. So first I need you to understand that my ability to come at this question from my perspective is because I don't experience things like hallucinations. I have intrusive thoughts, but I don't experience hallucinations, auditory, visual, or otherwise. I have had to learn, like I said, how to trust my intuition, how to know if things are a sign or if it's just something that happened. And my approach to this has been that if something happens and it feels like a sign, it's not harmful to anyone and it's not harmful to myself or it's not completely outrageous, then I will trust it as being what it is, a sign. Now, I know not everyone can do this. I feel like I'm struggling to explain this a little bit. Um, so, okay, so for example, I'm a meditating and I'm asking for guidance on how best to approach a situation. And I'm meditating and I feel like I'm getting an answer. And the answer doesn't sound like me, doesn't feel like me. And it feels like it has come from outside of me and it's not harmful and it makes sense and it's not too out there, then that's my answer. I really hope that makes sense. (laughs) Because in, in my mind, if the answer doesn't hurt anyone and isn't too crazy. So if I was doing this and I felt like I was getting a message that I needed to hurt someone close to me or hurt myself, that would not be a sign because I cannot in good faith believe that my gods would send me a message like that. I can't. However, if the message that I thought that I was receiving said that I needed to buy a rose bush and water it every day and name it Samantha, that message doesn't hurt anyone. So if I feel like it's important and I feel like that's something that I need to do, then I say, okay, that's something I can do. I hope that explanation made sense. The, the process makes sense in my brain. But when it comes to things like confirmation bias, fear, and not trusting intuition, it takes practice. Like it really, really takes practice. And I think if your practice is causing you to be afraid, then you need to change it. Your practice shouldn't make you afraid, especially if you don't work with spirits, if you don't work with gods, if you, if you're just starting, you shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't, um, look outside and see a pattern in the sky and take it as a bad omen. Sometimes, yeah, it's just clouds. But if you, if you start to think that everything is a sign and everything is bad, then that's when I would start to question the mental health part of the practice. That's when I would personally step back and reevaluate what's going on to make sure that I'm not sabotaging myself by ignoring signs or by creating signs that aren't there. And this is a fine line that we have to walk for those of us with mental illness. And the only people that are really going to know how to do that and navigate that are the people that are struggling with that mental illness mental illness. I can give you my process, but again, my process isn't going to work with 
everyone. I wouldn't even know how to approach a situation where someone was having hallucinations. Um, I have seen some people describe the difference between their intuition and messages versus hallucinations as one feels completely external, whereas the other feels more like a part of themselves. The example that I saw was that someone was having a an auditory hallucination, I think. They were hearing things, and it sounded completely different. It was a completely different voice. It was a completely different way of speech, and they knew that that was a hallucination because when they hear messages here, uh, air quotes, because it's different, it's internal, and it's like it's coming from yourself, but on a different level. It's, it's very hard to explain, but... To the original question, again, if things are making you afraid, you need to reevaluate why you're feeling that fear and work with yourself and if you have it available to you, a mental health team to not be afraid. Your practice shouldn't make you afraid. It just shouldn't. Um, and confirmation bias is like a beast on its own that takes a lot of practice to see when it's happening versus when it's not. I feel like I could probably do an entire episode or video on confirmation bias. It's confirmation bias itself, and I think other people have too. So I will leave that particular snippet of that question for another day. All right, we have a few questions left. We're almost done. Um, can you discuss the role of shadow work in witchcraft as it pertains to mental health? I would love to hear thoughts about when would shadow work not be a good idea? Shadow work has become a buzzword in the spiritual community and in the witchcraft community. If you're not familiar with what shadow work is, I did a whole video on the history of shadow work and how it can be used within witchcraft spheres, but shadow work is not generally something I recommend people with mental illness and a history of trauma to do without a mental health team. A therapist, a psychiatrist, a good support system, anything like that. Because the shadow is the parts of ourselves that our subconscious has shoved so far deep inside because they are um, deemed wrong, quote unquote, by society or from our life experiences. And an example of this could be, you know, if you were, if when you were a kid, you always got in trouble for speaking up and speaking your mind about whatever. And, um, you know, you always got in trouble for it and your parents told you that kids should be seen and not heard and um, kids should speak when spoken to. And it eventually would become dangerous for you to speak out because the, the consequences would just get more severe every time. You can push that into your shadow subconsciously where you don't speak up and you don't give your opinion even on really important things. And so working with your shadow and unrooting that particular thing can be a traumatic experience because it's tied to childhood trauma. I don't have experience doing shadow work outside of having a history of trauma. So I can't tell people that have never had a severely traumatic experience in their life what shadow work is going to be like for them. But within the witchcraft sphere, people see shadow work as um, introspection and journal prompts and meditation and mindfulness. 
And while that's well and good, it's not exactly shadow work. Shadow work is hard. Shadow work can be dangerous to people that have a history of trauma if it's not done within the context of therapy. I have done small parts of shadow work on my own. I have done a bit of journaling, done a bit of meditation and mindfulness, but I have large chunks of memory from my childhood that are missing. I just can't remember it. No matter how hard I try, I can think of one memory and nothing that happened in between and go to another one. I will not do shadow work without a therapist because I know the trauma that I have in my childhood and I know the things that are in my shadow that need to come out are, they're not necessarily quote unquote bad qualities. They're things that were pushed into my subconscious because of trauma and just life experiences. Now, as far as spiritual shadow work is what I'm going to call it. We're, we're talking about introspection outside of a traumatic history um, or setting. Knowing your triggers and knowing the things that you subconsciously push away or gravitate to can be important within a witchcraft or religious context. And the one thing that I always like to bring up is people's gravitation toward things that are quote-unquote exotic. And I see this with people who are um, appropriating from indigenous culture. Oftentimes, it has been my experience that it is usually American people who have no sense of culture. Take myself, for example. I am a white American woman who sometimes feels like I have no culture. I'm American. The United States was built on the backs of slavery and the genocide of the indigenous people. I mean, <laughs> when, when some people look to other cultures, it's to feel um, a sense of belonging or it's a romanticization, romanticization of that culture, the exotic feeling of that culture, and the sort of otherness and more spiritual side of the culture that they may not have had access to or didn't have while growing up. Looking inside myself at things like that, I can see that, yeah, I feel like I don't have a culture. I feel like I don't have a spiritual tie to any people because of the way that I grew up and my ethnicity. I have Irish heritage. I have Irish ancestry. But when it comes to things like that, DNA doesn't mean anything. It literally does not matter. Doesn't matter. Because I was born in the United States. My parents, my grandparents, their parents were born in the United States. My ancestors didn't come to the United States from Ireland recently. It was in like the 1700s, hundreds of years ago. I was not raised in an Irish American household. I can see looking back how some of those things may have trickled down into the way that I grew up, but I have no tie to that culture. Just the same way I have no tie to indigenous culture, even though I can see in my family tree that I have indigenous ancestors. When we look into our shadows, 
I know I went on a tangent there, but when we look into our shadows in a witchcraft perspective or in a religious perspective, we can start to see things like that. And it's going to be different for everyone, but being mindful and having emotional awareness and physical awareness and spiritual awareness and just self-awareness in general is a good thing to have in witchcraft and religion. And I think that's how this spiritual shadow work can help a lot of people. But again, I want to reiterate and make it very clear that I do not advocate anyone with a history of trauma or any other sort of mental illness or neurodivergence to do shadow work without a therapist or another sort of mental health professional, period. Because it can be traumatic, it can be scary, it can send you into a mental health spiral, and that's like the opposite of what the point is. So please be mindful of yourself where you are mentally if you're going to do actual shadow work. Okay, um, the next question says, do you have any experience with using the Enneagram? No, I think I'm saying that right, Enneagram. I don't have experience using it. I have casually looked into it and it is something that's on my list of things to learn about more, but I have never used it myself. How do you deal with guilt of not honoring deities or doing magical workings when you're in a bit of a dip? I put this question as separate from the ones that I answered toward the beginning of do I still practice when I'm in a mental health dip because this question sucks. <laughs> and not like the person that asked this question asked a wrong question. There's no wrong question. But this question sucks because of how true it is. And I've actually written a blog post along the lines of this question because when I'm in such a bad place that I can't do my devotions or I can't give offerings or if I did, it would be disingenuous and I would just be going through the motions and not actively doing it. It's hard and it's hard on me mentally because I know that those religious practices are very important to me. And they're something that I do regularly. And they, I do feel guilty when I can't do them. There have been times where days or weeks have gone by and I have been so bogged down with brain fog and mental health and depression that I forgot to light the candle on my altar. That I forgot to say the prayer. That I forgot to stand in front of my altar for a minute in stillness and you do feel guilty or at least I feel guilty and it sends me into a spiral of like okay I was doing this before I know I should continue to do it but I can't oh no I haven't done it are they still going to be there when I get back then I feel uh you know guilty when I approach the gods or when I approach my altar with apologies with like groveling and crying because I, I carry guilt over not being able to do it. The thing that I have found in my experience is that my gods are understanding. I have made it known that I don't want Bridget um, like involved in my mental health and helping me overcome that because 
I know that I have personal issues with commitment and staying with routines and doing things that I know that I should be doing because I get distracted or, you know, I, my mental health gets in the way or I just become too busy. So my thought process beside, or my thought process about having her sort of stay out of it is that I need to learn how to do it on my own. I need to learn how to not rely on the gods to pull me out of a darkness of depression. That is something I know I need to learn for myself. Every time it happens, and every time I forget to light the candles, every time I forget to do the devotions, yes, I feel guilty, but over the course of introspection, self-reflection, and self-awareness, I can see that it's getting less and less. I'm getting better at it. And that's something that has been massively important for me in my experience. And then looking back on it after I have come out of the fog of depression or whatever has been going on, I, I give myself the grace to be human and have a human experience. And I make apologies to whoever needs apologies. And I just try to do better next time. It's something that I have just had to come to realize that I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm not infallible. The gods know that. They're gods. I'm not. They know I'm human. And it's hard to get right with the guilt. Um, But for me, the guilt propels me forward to do better in the future. I'm not sure how helpful of an answer that is, but that's my answer. (laughs) Uh, The next question says... Do you have any resources for people that are struggling? I do have resources for people that are struggling. I will leave all kinds of links in the description and in the show notes. The biggest resource that I can say to find is a community that can work with you and will understand. And if you don't have a support system, make one. Find a support system, friends, family, a blog even, an anonymous blog, um, where you could just write out everything that you need to write out. I will leave links in the description to hotlines and um, charities and nonprofits and things like that that are helpful. And then the last question is one that I don't necessarily have an answer for, but someone else does. And I got their permission to give the answer in a podcast. Um, The question says, how would you go about telling your therapist that you're a pagan or a witch? Now, I want to give my experience first because it's kind of relevant, maybe. And then I will give the other answer because the other answer is important. Um, In my experience, I've never told a therapist that I was a witch or that I am pagan. However, in my most recent experience with therapy, which was has been um, this year and last year, no longer seeing that therapist. I did my intake for a mental health facility that did virtual therapy. And on their intake, they ask if you have religious preference, if you are a religious person. So I said, yes, I am a polytheist. And then I had to say pagan because they didn't know what a polytheist was. Um, And that was sort of it. And this intake exam questionnaire 
was supposed to help them pair me with someone who I would match with. They decided that they were going to pair me with someone who is all about the law of attraction and positive affirmations and your thoughts attract what you have, which is not what I needed, which is, it's not, I find it very difficult to articulate my irritation when people talk about your thoughts creating your reality. As someone that has intrusive thoughts and sometimes will think randomly driving down the road, oh, I wonder what happened if I just swerve and hit the guardrail. Like, <laughs> you, I don't think it's a good idea to pair someone that has intrusive thoughts or suicidal ideation with someone who believes that their thoughts create their reality. That has been my experience. I don't know if I will ever tell a therapist in the future about my religious beliefs or preferences because they're often conflated with new age things that I am not a fan of, like the law of attraction. Uh, yeah. Someone in my server saw the person ask this question and they wanted to give their perspective and this person is a therapist and their background is in social work so I want to read to you what they said. They said, I have a few observations and personal experiences that might be helpful. First, people who become therapists in general tend to hold pretty strong values of respect for others and non-judgment. I know there are some bad eggs out there, but if you've been working with the same person for two years, then hopefully you're able to trust that they can hold true to these values. An important part of my training, the person speaking, um, included a lot of self-reflection and it was drilled into us that we needed to be able to keep our own beliefs and values in check when we inevitably found ourselves working with people whose values and beliefs were different from our own. It's really about respecting the person as a whole and treating them as such. As for the rest of the group members, speaking of group therapy, I'm hoping that the facilitator discussed some group guidelines with everyone at some point and that there was some discussion about respecting others even if you don't agree on everything. The facilitator should be able to manage the discussion accordingly if you do choose to disclose that you're a witch. I would suggest speaking with your therapist or the facilitator first, and hopefully they can put you more at ease about sharing that side of yourself if you decide to do so and offer their support in the group. So what I get from that answer, and thank you for giving me permission to share that answer, um, is that you should be able, in theory to tell your mental health professional about your religious beliefs. In theory, you should be able to trust them enough to do so. Whether you do is going to be up to you and your personal comfort and level of trust in the person that you're speaking with. So that is a decision that you would have to make based on your own comfort and who you're talking to. That is the extent of the questions. I have been talking for over an hour at this point. Thank you again so much to everyone that sent me questions and asked me questions. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you listen to the whole thing or even parts of it. Um, thank you for allowing me to share my experiences with you. And if you leave comments, thank you for leaving comments. I don't have a tarot card for this month because I want you to focus on yourself. If you are struggling with mental health, if you are struggling with your mental illness, 
I want you to find one thing that brings you joy or at least some level of comfort. I know sometimes, depending on how deep in a hole you are, joy can feel like you're clawing at dirt trying to get out. Um, Find something that brings you a level of comfort and do that one thing. Find time to rest and allow yourself the space to do it, even if it's only for two seconds while you're sitting on the toilet. Find that time and take care of yourself. And let others take care of you if you have to. I know this episode even got heavy for me there for a while. Um, So, yes. I'm going to end it here. Thank you so, so much for listening or watching if you're watching the video. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people. And don't be afraid to share your story. And I will see you next time. And I will talk to you next time. So, bye for now.